John chapter 8, verse 12. As I begin reading, the, the culmination is going to be verses 31 and 32, which we're going to focus on in the sermon. But as I read, starting at verse 12, I want you to really pay attention because of, of the things that Jesus says about himself, and they're pretty amazing. Um, if any of us were to say these things about ourselves, I hope, hope somebody would punch us in the nose. Yeah, uh, but I want you to, sometimes it's easy, you know, we read these things and we're used to reading these things, but I want you to read these things and just listen about what he says about himself because they're pretty incredible. John chapter 8, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. That's an amazing promise, isn't it? Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him, here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I am going but you have no idea where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Once more, Jesus said to them, I am going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sins. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am he, it says, but literally it says, if you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Who are you, they asked. Just what I have been telling you from the beginning, Jesus replied, I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy and what I have heard from him, I tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, and he's speaking about the cross, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am, and that I do nothing of my own, but I speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. And even as he spoke, many believed in him. Verse 31, to the Jews 
who believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. And then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. And uh, as it says in your word that, that these words we've just read are the very words of God, your words to us that we might know you, that we might live in relationship to you. Father, open our ears and our eyes this morning as we look at your words to see you and to live for you uh, in an amazing way. Father, I give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we come, you know, Wednesday, isn't it amazing? Wednesday, January 1st, 2014. Um, I've never been one for um, New, New Year's resolutions, but... I do like coming into the new year. It, you know, coming to the end of a year and, and looking into new year, it, it provides a wonderful opportunity to say, you know, how am I living my life? And uh, it's kind of an end of the old and beginning of the new, and it's an opportunity to say, you know, what can I do better? Or what would God have me to do? And uh, so actually, you know, Cindy and I have talked in 2014 uh, about, as a couple, what we can, some changes we can make, some things that we can do. Um, and so this, this sermon, as, as I've been thinking about coming into the new year, um, and just some thinking personally regarding myself, um, this sermon c comes out of that. And uh, kind of, for me personally, a fresh desire and a fresh passion to live for Jesus. Um, I, don't, I don't know about you, but it's easy for me to get bogged down with life. And, uh, and just to end up kind of living or sometimes surviving. <laughs> and... Uh, so this sermon really comes out of, for me personally, a, a fresh passion to, to know God and to live for Him. Uh, coming out of that last night, I, I read a little booklet that I've read a few times before, and it, it again, it just stirred me and challenged me. It, it's an old book written decades ago by a man called R.A. Torrey, and he wrote it about D.L. Moody, who uh, was wonderfully used by God uh, to bring thousands and thousands of people to Christ as an evangelist, um, started as a shoe salesman. Um, and the book is How God Used D.L. Moody <laughs> and seven reasons why uh, God used him and how he was used. The first one is because he was a man that wholly belonged to God. <laughs> wholly belonged to God. And I love a statement in there um, that Ari Torrey made. He, D.L. Moody was a, a big guy, 280 pounds. And uh, 
the statement that Ari Tori made. He said, every ounce of his 280-pound body belonged to God. Great. And for me, that was, that was a great just challenge to me. Every ounce of his 280-pound body belonged to God. Can we say that about ourselves? And as, and as we go into 2014, would we long that for ourselves? That we'd be individuals that every part of our beings belongs to God. I think most of us live our lives bored. And I'm going to explain this, but I, I really believe so. I think most of us live our lives bored. Now, if you have a teenager, or if you're around teenagers, you know that's what they think about their lives all the time. I mean, how many times have you all, sitting in the back, or, you know, <laughs> said, I'm bored? How many, if you haven't heard that, you haven't been around a teenager. I'm bored. Um, I think, but, but the reality is, is I don't think it's just teenagers. I think it's adults. I think it's most of us live our lives bored. And, and the reason I think this is because the reality is, is I think most of us are constantly looking for something more to excite us or entertain us or motivate us or keep us getting up in the morning to go to work or to go to school or, or to face the day. And we're constantly looking for more. You know, the, the latest movie sequel that's about ready to come out or the latest gaming system or that maybe my lottery ticket's going to be the winning one or a new relationship that's going to make, you know, getting up worth it or, you know the anticipation of a Super Bowl victory or, you know, we're always looking for more. Isn't that, isn't that true for a lot of us if we're honest thinking that it's like something more? I think it's why if, if, if we were to follow movie series, for example, just to give an illustration, how many of us, if, if we're anticipating the sequel, you know, or the, the second, third, sometimes it's up to six, you know, movies in a series that are coming out. How many of us would want to watch it if it isn't, doesn't have more action and more car crashes and more violence and more, it's like, oh, this is boring. Like, what were they thinking? Unless it's, unless there's more. We're a people that are constantly looking for and, and, and aren't satisfied unless it's bigger and better. Um, why is this? Well, you know, one reason could be that we all have ADHD. Um, it might be. But this is my evaluation, and you don't have to agree with me, even though I'm right. <laughs> I think it's because the reason we're looking for something more is because our lives themselves are not exciting. I want you to think about that just for a second. 
the reason we are looking for something more entertaining or exciting, bigger, better, is because our lives themselves are not exciting. We're looking for something or someone to make them exciting. You understand the difference? And so we've settled for existing instead of living. Honestly, how many of us, we get up, we go to work, we go to school, we go to the food bank, we go to the library, we go to meetings, we go to lunch, we go to the bank, we go to the store, we go to movies, we, and, and, and we just, we get up, we go through our days, we're looking for things to make our days and our lives meaningful and exciting, but our lives themselves, I wonder how many of us would say our lives themselves are exciting, are meaningful, are purposeful. And, and don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that, you know, it's that, that we're, you know, running on some kind of caffeine high all the time, okay? But honestly, ask yourself, is your life itself exciting, an adventure, something with meaning and purpose that excites you to get up in the morning and go through your day? And I'm not saying in order to do this, again, we're not talking about something out there. We're not talking, yeah, if I just had a different job, <laughs> If I just lived in a different neighborhood, if I just had different friends, if I just, we're not talking about out there, we're talking in here, we're talking ourselves. So that you can go to the same job, go to the same school, live the same life, but your life gives you meaning and purpose and excitement. And you bring that to where you go and where you live and where you work and, and, and where you go to school. Maybe what's happened in, in the Phillips translation of the Bible in Romans 12, 2, it, it says this. It says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. I love that translation. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. And I think maybe part of the problem is that's what we've, we've allowed to happen. Is that maybe, maybe a lot of us, most of us started out with and enthusiasm and excitement and meaning and a purpose in life, but, but it doesn't take long for that to be squeezed out of us as we realize that, you know, maybe people would talk about us or think we're crazy or think wrong about us. It, it isn't, and especially when we're young, peer pressure, it just, it just, it, it rips that. But even as we grow older, the party line what is politically correct? I mean, what, uh, to me, one of the funniest things that has blasted this across our, the media in the last couple of weeks has been, I had never even heard of Duck Dynasty. Okay? We don't... We don't have cable TV, so I never expect to even see Duck Dynasty. But, and, and I'm not making a statement about anything except that in, in terms of what is blasted over the media, the, the, the leader, I'll just, if you haven't heard of ducks like I hadn't, the, um, 
the, uh, the leader of this family on this reality TV show made some statements that um, were um, blasted by some special interest groups. Ended up the show suspending him from the show because of the statements he made that weren't, uh, that were his personal opinion, but they weren't politically correct. And I'm not saying whether his statements were, the way he made them was good or bad. I'm just saying he made these statements. It angered these TV executives and they suspended him from the show. Well, the funny thing is, is that there was such a backlash and they realized they were gonna lose so much money that they put him back on the show. <laughs> money talks, right? Um, but what was incredible to me in this whole thing was this political correctness and this party line, which I'm saying is part of what, whether it's peer pressure when we're younger or political correctness when we're older, I think part of what that does, it's the world squeezing us into its mold and squeezing out of us that, that meaning and that purpose and that excitement and that passion that God created. And we, and we sang about it earlier. God made us to worship. Uh, he made us to live lives of wonder. But how many of us, that has been squeezed out of us because it wasn't maybe seen to be appropriate or, or, or acceptable by those around us. One of my favorite quotes of all time from C.S. Lewis hits it right on the head. And this is what he says. He says, we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. We are like ignorant children who want to go on making mud pies in a slum because we cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a vacation at the sea. We're foolish people. We're half-hearted people. People who have given up living. Living. For existing. And so this is my challenge today to us, is to again really live. Really live. And so I'm calling, I'm calling me, like I said earlier, I'm calling us today to enter into 2014 afresh with a determination to live lives of purpose and adventure and wonder and expectation. That's our lives. That's not something we're trying to get from someone or something else out there, but that those are our lives. And that's how we're living our lives. The question is, how in the world is that going to happen? I'm glad you asked, because that's what I'm going to talk about. How are we going to do that? How are we going to do that? Well, this is what we're going to do to start with. We're going to imagine some things this morning. And then we're going to come to John 8 in a little bit. But to start with, we're going to imagine some things. And I want you to imagine with me some things, okay? And you're going to have to work at imagining because as I start talking, you're going to, what's going to happen? And I, you know, I know the way our minds work because this is the way my mind works. You're going to say, what? That's, I already know that. 
See, and that's what's going to happen. You're going to say, I already know that, and you're going to quit imagining. I want you to imagine as if you're a little child that what I'm about ready to say, I want you to, to listen to it as if this is like, okay? Imagine this with me. What if the world we live in didn't just all happen by chance? What if the world we live in, with all of its creativity and variety and uniqueness and amazingness, amazingness with, with the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different species of animals and, and plants and the hundreds of billions of different galaxies that are spread out over hundreds of billions of light years, what if the amazing biological machines inside of our bodies that can't be seen by the naked eye, the RNA, the DNA, the, what if all of it didn't just happen by chance? The far-flung galaxies and the microscopic cells in our bodies that we can't see with the naked eye, what if all of it didn't happen by chance? What if there really is a God who made it all? Just think with me. What if there really is a God who made it all and is a God as described in the Westminster Catechism is a spirit, infinite, eternal, unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. What if there really is a God like that who made all of this? I'll be honest, just, this is just a side note. This is free. Honestly, it's easier for me to imagine that than it is for me to imagine that it happened by chance. Way easier. The incredible variety, the immensity, the complexity. But let's just imagine, what if there really is a God that made all this? And keep imagining with me, okay? Don't, don't tune me out. What if this God made us to know him? Just imagine that. That the creator God of the universe who created galaxies and cells made us human beings to know him. That is significant. That's way more significant than, than knowing, okay, I'm, I'm treading on thin ice here, than knowing Russell Wilson, okay? Or Barack Obama. Or Beyonce. Or Jay-Z. Or Russell Crowe. Or, you know, Brad Pitt. I mean, you know, it's... Think of it. The creator God of the universe who made everything made us to know him. And, and the opportunity that we can know him, imagine it, if that's true. Imagine that something happened to mess it all up, blew it all apart, so that now this creation that, that this God made to know him 
doesn't know him, lives in doubt whether or not he really exists, is separated from him, disbelieves him, disregards him, acts as if he doesn't even exist. Do you get this? The creator God of the universe made us to know him, and we don't even care about him. We disregard him. We, we live as if he doesn't exist, as if he doesn't matter, as if, as if the latest movie is more important than him. That we're not dumbfounded by the fact that, <sighs> incredible, we can know him. That's the wonder that we sang about earlier. And see, even as we're here together, you realize how hard it is for us to recapture that? That the creator God of the universe made us, we can know him, and yet we disregard him. But this is the last thing I want you to, to just imagine, that this God, instead of saying, forget you, if that's what you think, you can have it, Instead of him saying, forget you, he pursued you and me to bring us back into relationship with him. He came to this earth he made. He came to his people who he made, who rejected him and disdained him and disregarded him to woo us back to him. And his name was Jesus. That's what we read about in in John chapter 8 here, and, and, and what we're coming to in just a sec. Imagine that if all of what I just said was true, what an adventure our lives would be if we lived in light of what I just said. When like C.S. Lewis, we're pursuing drink and sex and ambition and and all the other things we pursue when we have the opportunity to live in relationship with the God of the universe who created everything and loved us so much when we rejected him, he came back to us, came to earth in the person of Jesus to woo us back to him. The good news is that it's all true. Everything I just said, it's all true. We have the privilege to know God, to really live. We don't have to find it elsewhere. To come back to the question, how are we going to do that? Okay, if you open your Bibles to John 8, we're going to just summarize verses 31 and 32 quickly. Four things I want us to see in answer to the question, how are we going to do that? How are we going to really live as God has created us to live? John 8, 31. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The, the first thing is, how are we going to do that? It's by believing that Jesus is who he claims to be. That's what he said. To the Jews who believed him, who believed him, by believing that Jesus is who he claims to be. And like I said earlier, he says some pretty crazy things. You know, when I, when I was going to college, I did a, a, a volunteer internship at a, at, a, at a state mental hospital. And um, there were a lot of 
um, individuals who live there that tried to convince me that they were Jesus, that they were the Apostle Paul, that they were Napoleon. They were all kinds of things. And, and Jesus says some things that are just as crazy if it isn't true. Really, just as crazy if it isn't true. I mean, he is either the craziest, most disturbed person who ever lived in light of what he said about himself, or we've got to take him seriously. The first thing is, is believing that Jesus is who he claims to be. Notice he said, he said, I'm the light of the world. He said, I'm from above. I'm not from this world. And more in, the most incredible at all, he says in verse 23, he said, or 24, he says, if you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. And Jesus is referring back to Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, where God, the sovereign creator, God of the universe, said, this is my name, I am. If you want to know who I am, call me I am. And Jesus, in either a blatant act of blasphemy or an incredible revelation of who he is, says, I am. Who is he? Well, the first step to me in what Jesus says here in John 8, 31 and 32 is if, if, we want to, if you want to live, if you want your life to be the most incredible adventure it can be and not having to find it from someone or something else. The starting point is believing what Jesus says about himself. This is who he really is. Um, if you're having a hard time believing this, and like I said, this, this is pretty outlandish stuff, but it's also what makes for adventure what I would encourage you to do is to do what um, was shared earlier, this piece of paper. I would encourage you to take it as a challenge to read. <laughs> to read what this Bible says, what this book says. This book claims to be the very words of God. Read it. I mean, for you just to dismiss it and say, outlandish, crazy, in my estimation, pretty stupid. Because if he really is the creator of the universe and he really cared about us so much that he made us and he came to redeem us and he gave us this book to know him and you don't even want to take the time to read it, then you got pretty messed up priorities. If it's more important to you to say, well, I think I'll just do this, when you have the opportunity of knowing the God of the universe and living in relationship with him, in an adventure that you can't imagine? But the first step is believing. Believing. But that might, the second one I think is harder though. Notice he says, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. You know, it's one thing to read it and even to say, I believe it. It's another thing to hold to it. And the word here, it's the word that's often translated abide or remain. And, and, and what the word means, it means abide, dwell, continue, stay, remain. It means that we read these words, we believe them, and then we, 
We live in them. We live in them. We obey them. A great verse. Let me read Joshua 1.8. As they're about ready to enter into the promised land. Listen to Joshua 1.8. It says, keep this book of the law. This book. Keep it. Always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, and then you will be prosperous and successful. Is that what's true about us? As we read it, it's on our lips, it's on our hearts, we're pondering it, we're thinking about it, so that we can live it, so that we can obey it. When we were missionaries in the Philippines uh, among Muslims, um, do you know how Muslims describe Christians? It's actually how Christians are labeled in the Quran, called people of the book. That's how Christians are labeled in the Quran by Muslims, people of the book. Are we a people of the book? Are you a person of this book? A person that reads it and remains in it and, and meditates upon it so that you can obey it. So that you can obey it. You know, I, I think if we get what Jesus is saying, we're getting that this isn't just a hobby or a past time we're talking about, but a passion and a pursuit and our very purpose. And what difference will it make? Notice what Jesus says, and, and it's profound if you get it. Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, he said, if you hold, if you remain in my teaching, if you obey my teaching, you are really my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's believing that Jesus is who he claims to be. It's holding to his teaching the result being that we will know the truth. We will know the truth. You know, we live in a world where, um, you know, as I mentioned, this whole Duck Dynasty thing, where there's a lot of confusion about what is true. What is true? You know, what I love about how Jesus directs this statement is because in John 14, 6, Jesus makes it really personal. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Another incredible claim that he makes for himself. And, and the word know is an intimate word. It's not like knowledge. It's not like Jesus says to the Jews who believed in him, if you hold to my teaching, then you're going to have knowledge about the truth. It's an intimate word. It's a word that's used about Joseph, that he didn't know Mary until after Jesus was born. He didn't have sexual relationships with her. It's an intimate word. And truth is about a person. It's not just about information. And Jesus is saying that if, if we believe in him and we hold, we remain, we abide in these words about him, if we obey them, then the promise is that we will know him. 
who is truth. Him, the I am, the creator God of the universe. We can know him as we know his word. Pilate asked Jesus as he was <coughs> before. Pilate, he says, what is truth? And Jesus' answer all through his life was, he is truth. He is reality. And you know the heart of what truth means in my own, it means that, that Jesus is the reality around which our world makes sense. Around which everything makes sense. And the result as we know him is we'll be set free. And, and, and it's, the, it's the adventure I've been talking about. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> free. So many of us, we're not, we don't live free. We're bound by other people's expectations. We're bound by the, the sins that weigh us down. We're bound by peer pressure, by political correctness. We're bound by our obligations. We're not free. We're not living lives of adventure and excitement because we're not living lives in relationship to the God of the universe who alone can free us as we live in a relationship with him to live, to really live. And this is what struck me as I was reading about Dale Moody last night as R.A. Torrey described every ounce of his 280-pound body belonging to God. I realized how freeing that would be if we lived in that way that if every part of our beings belonged to God, how freeing that would be for us, not worrying about what others say, not worrying what other people think, not making excuses for our lame jobs or our lame friends or how boring life is because living in relationship to the God of the universe opens up the opportunity for us to live above and beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. That's what it says in Ephesians 3. Because there's no limit to what he can do and what we can achieve in relationship to him. We're free. We'll be free to live in an, an adventure as we live in relationship to the God of the universe. This is my fresh desire for myself for 2014 to live free to live free believing holding to and knowing Jesus in a way that I've never known him before in a, in a new and fresh way so where do we start I just want to read kind of a sentence I wrote down here if living free, living life fresh with zest and purpose and adventure comes from knowing the truth, Jesus, which comes from holding to Jesus' words, the starting point is becoming people of this book. And that's why we're encouraging you to do this. Becoming a fresh people of the book, this love letter, these very words of God that the God of the universe gave us to know him so that we can live lives 
of adventure and excitement in relationship to him. We don't have to find the latest fix that entertains us or excites us, someone or something, because our lives are an adventure. It doesn't have to be something we read about or watch because our lives themselves in relationship to God can be that. Does that sound possible? So, three things I would encourage you to do as I close. Number one, I really encourage you, whether you use this plan or another plan, to commit to reading the Bible this year. Reading through the Bible. Uh, getting to know this God. Commit to reading the Bible through the year. Another thing I'd encourage you to do, as Daniel mentioned, is week by week we're going to highlight some verses every Sunday from the section that we're reading is I would also encourage you to maybe pick out one of those verses. We're also going to offer you some verses to memorize. Like it says in Joshua 1.8, I mean, that these words would be on our lips, that we would meditate on them day and night, that, that you'd put some of these to memory. And so you could, they could be on your heart, they could be in your head, in your mind, as you're in the midst of a hard work situation or hard school situation, that, that these words that bring life could be resonating in your head. Commit to memorizing Bible verses. And then the crux of it is holding to them. Committing to be people that obey God's word. As we read it and memorize it and meditate it and think about it, to be people that our lives then demonstrate this life that God has for us in his word. Let's pray. Father, ah, I know that uh, even as we've talked about these things this morning and even as many of us will maybe com commit afresh to being people of your book, not just so we can get knowledge, but so that we can know you, that all kinds of things, distractions and discouragements are going to come up to, kind, to try and keep us from your word. Father, I pray your protection. I pray your encouragement, your motivation for us to be people that really go after this, become people of your book so we can be people that live lives with you this next year that is just amazing. Thank you, Father, for your word. Jesus' name, amen.